This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. In response to Editor Perry White's urgent telegram, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and young Jimmy Olsen are speeding back to Metropolis aboard the Tri-State Limited, puzzled as to the reason for White's almost frantic summons. As we join them in a drawing room, the crack streamlined express is thundering through the night. Jimmy, you don't have to finish that box of candy in one sitting. I've only had five pieces. Only five pieces? Now go on, put the cover on the box. That's all we need now is to take you off the train with a stomachache. Clark? Hmm? Yes, Lois? I don't suppose you've had any bright ideas. Bright ideas? You know what I mean. Have you thought of any reasons for Mr. White wanting us back in such a hurry? Now look, Lois, it's 10.30 now. Just pull out of Glenwood. The next stop is Walden Junction and then Metropolis, the end of the line. In exactly 27 minutes, you'll know all the answers. Really, there are times when you can be the most exasperating person. How you can sit there with your nose buried in a newspaper is beyond me. Haven't you any curiosity? Maybe the Daily Planet building burned down. That'll be ridiculous, Jimmy. Well, you can't tell. Look. Yes? Exactly what did Mr. White say in the telegram? Not very much. I, I told you. You weren't very specific. Well, neither was he. Maybe a German spy set a bomb off. Jimmy, little boys should be seen and not heard. I'm not little, and a German spy could set off a bomb, couldn't he? Yes, he could. Clark, haven't you any idea what Mr. White wants? Oh, Lois, I wish you'd stop eating your heart out. We'll know exactly what he wants the moment we get in. You think you'll meet us at the station? I'm sure I don't know. Talking to you is like talking to a brick wall. All right, go on, read your paper. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care. Who's that? Come in. 
Uh, excuse me, I got a telegram from Mr. Kent. Oh, thank you. You're welcome, sir. You're welcome. Well, why don't you open it? I will. It's not going to fly away. Jimmy, I said no more cans. Oh, just one piece. I said no more. Okay. Huh. Oh, this is strange. Strange? Yes. What do you mean, Carl? Another telegram from Mr. White. God. What did it say? Listen. We'll meet you and Jimmy at Walden Junction. Tell Lois to proceed to Metropolis and report at office. Signed, Perry White. Oh, I don't understand that. Mr. Ken and me are supposed and to... And I... Mr. Ken and I are yes. supposed to get off at Walden Junction. That's the next stop. And you're supposed to go on to Metropolis. That's right, isn't it, Mr. Ken? According to the telegram. What's the idea? I don't know, Lois. But orders are orders. Oh, everything packed, Jimmy? Yeah, uh, except the candy. <laughs> I'll carry that. Clark, what's behind all this? You know as much about it as I do. Sounds like the station whistle. We'll be pulling in in a minute or so. Put your coat on, Jim. Uh, why can't I get off at Walden Junction, too? Well, I can think of one very good reason. Mr. White wants you to get off at Metropolis. Something very strange about this whole business. Something I don't like. You're tossing it off much too lightly, Clark. No, I'm not. But there's one thing you've got to remember, Lois. A good soldier takes orders. I suppose so. Come on, Jim. See you at the office, Lois. Boy, how much longer are we going to hang around the station, Mr. Kent? Gee whiz, that cold wind goes right through me. Well, go into the waiting room, Jimmy. It's warm there. No, I'd rather stick with you. Yes, I don't understand this at all. That telegram was clear enough. Oh, are you sure it said to get off at Walden Junction? Positive. Right, here it is. Now, let's look at it under that light there. Ah. What does it say? We'll meet you and Jimmy at Walden Junction. Well, this is Walden Junction, all right. Here's Mr. White. We've been waiting here for almost... What's the matter, Mr. Kent? Jimmy, we've been tricked. Tricked? What do you mean? This telegram is a fake. It was written on a typewriter. I should have noticed that a long time ago. Golly. But why should anyone send us a fake telegram? There could only be one reason to separate us from Lois. You mean... Now, look, Jimmy, there's no time to waste. You trust me, don't you? Why, sure. Now, listen carefully. There's a local train coming through in 15 minutes. Now, here, get some money. You buy a ticket and ride into Metropolis. What? Go right to the office. You mean alone? Yes, I have important work to do, and it must be done fast. Oh, but I... You said you trusted me, Jim. Okay. Good boy. Now, you stay in the waiting room until the train pulls in. If you get to the office before I do, keep mum about all this, understand? Uh-huh. So long. So long. Kick myself for falling to that fake telegram. Well, maybe it's not too late. Maybe I can still catch the limited as Superman. Oh, Jimmy can't see me now. Just stepped into the waiting room. Up, up, and away! Breaking through the darkness, Superman follows the steel rails like a bird in flight. Picks up the Tri-State Limited halfway between Walden Junction and Metropolis. Dropping to the darkened observation platform, he enters the train as Clark Kent. 
and hurries to the drawing room in which he left Lois. Ah, this is it. Drawing room C, car 42. Lois! Lois! That's funny. The door's locked. Lois! Lois! I don't understand it. Oh, Porter! Uh, Can you unlock this door for me? Yes, I shall. Great day in the morning. What's the matter? Didn't you all get off the Walden Junction? Yes, but I... Well, I I, I got on again. Can you unlock this door? Well, uh, there's a lady in that drawing room. I I know there is. The young lady who was with me. You remember, don't you? Uh, Yes, yes. Uh, Don't chance? No. Have you a key? Yes, sir. A rat key. I'll just key. How you get off the Walden Junction? Yes, sir. Right here. There's the she's open now. Thank you. Thank you. The room's empty. Well, no, sir, that can't be. I tell you, it's empty. Oh, the train halted, Danny. Come down. Yes? Clark Kent is back, Mr. White. Oh, he is, is he? Well, you'll send him in. I'll give him a piece of my mind. What's he think we're running here? A high school yearbook? Close the door. Now, Kent, what's the big Just a minute, please. Something serious has happened. Hmm, I'm glad you realize it. I'm afraid you don't know what I'm talking about, Mr. White. Oh, no. No, of course not. I'm a dope. An adult-painted fool. Just a minute. I don't understand English. If you can hold your temper in check for a moment, I'd like to discuss something with you. No, you would. Well, where were you when I returned from Washington? Now, look. Did it ever occur to you that I might want to discuss something with you once in a while? Take it easy, will you? You knew we were at the Bar O Ranch with Jimmy. Matter of fact, we were just leaving when your telegram arrived. My telegram? Yes. Are you crazy? You said you wanted us back at once, that something important had come up. Ah, you're out of your mind. In the first place, I didn't know where you were. In the second place, if I had telegraphed, it would have been to tell you that you're fired. Wait a minute. You mean to say you didn't send me a wire early this evening at 7 o'clock? I did not. Wait a minute. Am I crazy? Mm, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Oh, where's Lois? One thing at a time, Mr. White. You did send a wire to the Bar O Ranch, didn't you? No, no, I didn't. Now, listen, Kent. I don't understand this. There are a few things that I don't understand either. Now, where's Lois? I don't know. Wasn't she with you? Yes, but she disappeared off the train. What? Now, wait. She disappeared off the train. Please, let's get things straight. It wasn't you who sent the first telegram. How many times do I have to... All right, all right. Kent, if this is your idea of a joke... It's no joke, Mr. White. It's pretty serious. Now, listen to me. Jimmy ran into some trouble at the Bar O Dude Ranch. Lois and I went up to straighten it out. We were about to return when a wire came through signed by you. It said to come back at once. Something important had come up. I didn't wire you or anyone else. I suppose not if you say so. Well, anyway, we took the first train out to Tri-State Limited. Just after we pulled out of Glenwood, the porter gave me a telegram. Again, it was signed with your name, and it said for Jimmy and myself to get off at Walden Junction and for Lois to go on to Metropolis. I never sent that telegram either. I know it. That one was a fake, but I fell for it. Jimmy and I got off. We waited around for ten minutes before I realized the telegram wasn't authentic. Then I followed the train. Oh. Why, I, um, I hired a car. You mean to say you caught the limited in the car? Oh, well, you see, it, it, it was a fast car. I mean... All right, all right. Go ahead, go ahead. Now, 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 what happened? Well, I got aboard the train. The door to Lois's drawing room was locked. The porter opened it. But she wasn't there. Hmm, probably in the club car. No, she wasn't. We searched the train thoroughly. She wasn't on board. Kent, do you expect me to swallow that? The Limited doesn't stop between Walden Junction and Metropolis. She couldn't have gotten off. Mr. White, I tell you, she wasn't on that train. 
She's gone. Vanished. Now, look, Kent. Uh, wait a minute. Barry White speaking. Hello, Mr. White. Lois. Is Clark Kent there? Yeah, yes, he is. But where under the sun are you? Look, let me speak to Clark quickly. Yes, but I know not. Oh, all right. Here, Kent. She wants to speak to you. Okay. Lois, what in the name Look, of... I haven't much time, Clark. Listen, don't worry. Everything is all right. I'll call you at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. But, Lois, you Goodbye. can... Goodbye. Wait a minute. Look. Listen, Kent. What's this all about? That's what I'd like to know, Mr. White. Well, it looks like someone is weaving the web of a baffling mystery around Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Perry White. How did Lois vanish from the train, and where is she now? And who was responsible for the false telegrams? This is just the beginning, so don't miss a single mystifying episode. Tune in and follow the story with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot, fun surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Rouses! With crits starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. Ordered back to Metropolis by an urgent telegram from editor Perry White, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and young Jimmy Olsen left the Barrow Dude Ranch and caught the Tri-State Limited for the city. En route, Kent received another telegram from Perry White telling him to get off at Walden Junction with Jimmy and instructing Lois to continue on to Metropolis. When no one met them at the Walden Junction station, Kent examined the telegram closely and decided it was a fake. Leaving Jimmy to take the next train, Kent followed the Limited as Superman. 
Once on board, he resumed his reported disguise, only to find that Lois had vanished, but nowhere on the train. At the Daily Planet office, Kent was faced with more mysteries. Editor White denied having sent the first telegram summoning them back. Puzzled, Kent was at a loss to explain what had happened to Lois or who was responsible for the mystery. When the phone rang, and Lois' excited voice sounded over the wire. I haven't time to explain, she said. Everything's all right. I'll call you tomorrow morning at ten. With that, she hung up. As our story continues today, both Kent and Perry White have spent a sleepless night worrying. It's five minutes to ten, and the two men are seated in White's office awaiting Lois's call. There's something missing in your story, Kent. It just doesn't make sense. Oh, I'm the first one to admit that, Mr. White. But there's nothing missing. I told you everything had happened. Well, how did Lois get off the train, as you seem to think she did, if it didn't stop between Walden Junction and Metropolis? I could answer that. I wouldn't be sitting here waiting for a phone call. Yeah, it's a lot of nonsense. She was on that train. You just couldn't find her. Probably didn't want you to find her. Well, now, does that make sense? Well, why not? Maybe she ran across a good story and didn't want you to horn in on it. What about the telegram to the Barrow Ranch? She couldn't have sent that. What about the telegram I received on the train? Wouldn't surprise me if she framed all that up to get you out of the way. I doubt it. That must be Lois. I'll take it. Hello? Mr. White. Lois, where are you? I can't tell you now. What do you mean? Believe me, I just can't. Is Clark there? Yes. Let me speak to him. You'll finish with me first. Now look here, young lady. Please, Mr. White, this is important. Put Clark on. Mm, all right. Here. That, anyway. That at least gives us a point. Fast. Now, Lois, wait a minute. Now, listen to me. I've uncovered the biggest story of the century. Where are you? Never mind that now. Listen, I need twenty thousand dollars in cash immediately. I know. I said what? that I need twenty thousand dollars in cash immediately. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. She says she needs twenty thousand dollars immediately. Is she crazy? Uh, let me talk to her. No, wait. Lois, why must you have all that money? Don't ask questions, Clark. Tell Mister White that he'll get it back, but I've got to have it by noon today. Send Jimmy with it. Tell him to deliver it to, uh... Now, wait a minute. You'd better let Mr. White bring it himself. Now, look, Lois... And stick around the office, because I'll have to phone the story into you when it breaks. Lois, what in heaven's name is Tell this... Tell Mr. White to bring the money to 407 South Street. You got that? Now, I'll be waiting there for him. I've got to go now. Lois, wait a minute. I want... Oh. I hung up. What's this about $20,000? Is she out of her mind? She said you're to deliver it to her at 407 South Street before noon. Huh? Yes, and I'm to stay here to get the story when she phones it in. Story? What story? I don't know. The biggest story of the century, she said. No story on earth is worth $20,000. She said you'd get the money back. And I'm to deliver it? Yes, to 407 South Street. Well, I can promise you it won't leave my hands until I'm certain I'll get it back. How does she want it? Cash or check, did you say? Cash. All right. But this doesn't pan out. Miss Lane is going to be out looking for a job. I'm fed up with her shenanigans. Lois wouldn't pull anything like this as a joke. Well, I hope not. I'll have to call Darwin, the cashier, and have her run over to the bank. Did she say anything about big bills or small bills? No. Just $20,000 in cash. No, this newspaper business is a madhouse. Oh, Miss Harvey... Get Darwin the cashier. Tell him I want to see him immediately. Yes, that's all. Gosh, I don't understand what Lois can possibly have up her sleeve. My mind's a complete blank. Mm, if you ask me, hers is too. But don't worry. Nobody gets a dime of that twenty thousand until I see what's what. Come in. You want to 
Mr. White? Yes, yes, darling. Come in. Uh, you know Clark Kent? Yes, of course. Hello, Darwin. Uh, Darwin, I, uh, I want you to issue a check for uh, $20,000. 20000 Yes, uh, yes. Uh, make it out to me. I'll endorse it. And then send it down to the bank and get the cash. You mean you want $20,000 in cash, Mr. White? Yeah. Have it issued in uh, $1,000 bills. You better hurry. There isn't much time. Well, what are you waiting for? Twenty thousand dollars in cash. My, I'm my. in a hurry, Darwin. Get going. Get going. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Twenty thousand dollars. Now, uh, what was that address, Kent? Four oh seven South Street. Mm. What time is it? Uh, quarter after ten. Mm-hmm. And she said to deliver the money before noon, didn't she? Yes. Maybe I'd better go along with you, Mr. White. What? Don't you think I can be trusted? Oh, it's not that, but I just uh, I won't need any bodyguard. And anyway, you're supposed to stay here to write the story of the century when Lois phones it in. Story of the century. I'll lay ten to one this is all a lot of nonsense. I don't think so. Well, we'll find out soon enough. I'm going down for a cup of coffee. You hang around. When Darwin comes back with a check, tell him to wait. Okay. Anyone calls, I'll be back in ten minutes. Right. Uh, what in heaven's name would Lois need with twenty thousand dollars? Mm. Oh, sir, there's something wrong somewhere. Well, I'm going to check just for fun. Uh, operator, get me information, please, will you? Thank you. If I only knew how and where she got off that train, I might be able to see. This is information. Oh, uh, information. I'd like the telephone number of a house at 407 South Street. What is the name of the party? I'm sorry, I don't have the name, just the address. 407 South Street. One moment. Thank you. Come in. Oh, yes, Mr. Darwin. Uh, here's the Mr. White to enjoy. Yes, come in and sit down, will you? Mr. White will be up in a moment. I'm sorry, sir. We have no number. This is for 407 South Street. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Oh, thank you. Uh, Mr. White went down for a cup of coffee, Mr. Darwin. He should be back in a moment. It's quite all right, Mr. Kent. Well, won't you sit down? Uh, thank you. you excuse me if I seem a little nervous. Nervous? Oh, what's the trouble? Well, $20,000 in cash is a lot of money, Mr. Kent. Oh, yeah. I'll uh, have to go to the bank for it myself. I, I wouldn't dare trust anyone else. $20,000. I've never seen that much money at one time, ever. Ah, oh, here's Mr. White. Oh, yes. Uh, you got that check, Darwin? Yes, sir, right here. Good. Uh, I'll endorse it. Now, why in tarnation's name that secretary of mine can't learn to keep ink in this desk is beyond me. It's always empty. Yeah, I have a problem, Mr. White. Thanks. Yeah. There you are, Darwin. Now, get the cash back to me as fast as you can. Yes, sir. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Uh, here's your pen. Oh, thank you, sir. I, I wouldn't want to lose it. I, I always say a man's penny, yes, yes, perhaps. Yes, 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 sir. Yes, of course, Alvin, of course. Uh, now, get that check cash quickly. Uh, I'm going to the bank myself, Mr. White. Fine, but don't waste any time. No, sir. Anyone call, Kent? No, but I checked on 407 South Street. No phone. So what? Every house in Metropolis isn't equipped with a telephone. Some of them haven't even got bathtubs. Does that surprise you? You don't seem to be taking this seriously, Mr. White. What do you want me to do? Call out the state militia? Hardly, but I do wish you'd let me go along with you. 
After all, $20,000 is a lot of money to be carrying around with you. Anything might happen. Well, now, don't worry. Nothing's going to happen. All right. You're the boss. I got some work to do in my own office. I'll be waiting for the story. Don't hold your breath. Noon. I should have heard from Mr. White or Lois by this time. Wonder whether. Oh, maybe that's the call. Hello? Kent? Yes, Mr. White. Well, I wondered what happened to you. Everything's okay. Lois uncovered a whale of a story. Oh, that's swell. I'm ready to take it. We can't give it to you yet. What? Oh. Now, listen. Yes? I'll need another $20,000. Well, what? Yes, and I must have it fast. Well, wait a minute now. How. How am I going to get it? Darwin won't give it to me. Who? Darwin, the cashier. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Uh, well, tell him I said it was okay. That won't be enough. What are you doing with all that money? Never mind. I'll call Darwin directly and tell him to give the money to you. Deliver it to 407 South Street as fast as you can. What's this all about, Mr. White? I can't tell you now, but it's terrific. Well... I'll call Darwin. Don't waste a second getting over here. Yeah, but the... So long. Mr. White, where are you calling from? Mr. White? Hello? Hello? Hello, Mr. White? I'm sorry, sir, but your body disconnected. Okay, can, can you trace the call? We have no way of tracing a call once the body disconnects, sir. Oh. All right, thank you. Something very queer about all this. And I think I know what it is. Well, if Clark Kent does, he's smarter than we are because, frankly, we're puzzled. Why does Perry White need another $20,000? And what is the story that Lois has uncovered? Something is going to break soon, so don't fail to be on hand when it does. Tune in and follow the exciting story with the Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, Ben Steele in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. When Lois Lane vanished from the train that was bringing Clark Kent, Jimmy Olsen, and the girl reporter back to Metropolis... 
Kent suspected foul play. But soon after her mysterious disappearance, she called the Daily Planet office, said she had uncovered the story of the century, and asked editor Perry White to deliver $20,000 to 407 South Street immediately. Puzzled, White ordered the check cashed and proceeded to the address carrying 20 $1,000 bills, leaving Clark Kent at the office to take the story when it was phoned in. Two hours later, a phone call came through from White. Everything was okay, he said, but he needed another 20000 Kent protested that Mr. Darwin, the Daily Planet cashier, wouldn't accept his authorization for that much money. White said he would call Darwin directly and ordered Kent to bring the money to 407 South Street. As our story continues today, the elderly cashier has just entered Clark Kent's office, obviously disturbed. We don't quite understand it, Mr. Kent. It's very puzzling. What did Mr. White say when he called you? Simply to issue another check for $20,000, cash it at the bank, and turn the money over to you. He, he was very explicit about it. Well, you don't have to bother, Mr. Darwin. But you mean I'm, I'm not to issue the check? That is exactly what well, I mean. Mr. Kent, I received definite orders from Mr. White. I know. Just ignore them. Oh, but how can I? I've been with the Daily Planet 20 years, Mr. Kent, and I've never disobeyed an order yet. Well, don't you worry. I'll take full responsibility for this. I'm going down to see Mr. White, and I'll tell him I countermanded the order. Oh, you know where he is? Yes, at 407 South Street. Uh, Miss Lane is with him. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, hadn't you better take the money with you, Mr. Kent? No, no, he really doesn't need it. Doesn't need it? No. Strange, over the telephone, Mr. White said it was imperative he had the money immediately. Don't you worry about it, Mr. Darwin. I'll explain everything to Mr. White. Well, uh, I don't know, Mr. Kent. Is there any way of reaching Mr. White by no, phone? I'm afraid there isn't. But I'll be seeing him shortly, and I promise you I'll straighten everything out. Uh, I hope so, Mr. Kent. I wouldn't want Mr. White to think I deliberately disobeyed him. Well, he won't. Now, I've got to go now. You'll be sure to explain my position to Mr. White. Absolutely. That's 407, mister, over there. The house with the room inside. Oh, good. Uh, what do I owe you? 65. Okay, come on. Here. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Now, let's see what we have here. Rooms for rent, day a week. Huh. That's a strange place to uncover the story of the century. Well, let's see. No name on the bell. Probably doesn't even ring. Surprise, it does ring. And someone's coming to answer it. A woman. Uh, how do you do? I have an appointment here with Mr. Uh, White. Oh, yes, come in, please. Thank you. You're Mr. Kent, aren't you? That's right. Uh, won't you step into the parlor? Mr. White should be back any minute now. Oh, you, uh... You mean he isn't here? Uh, no, but he'll be back shortly. He told me to ask you to wait. Oh, I see. Is, um, is Miss Lane here? Miss Lane? Yes. You mean the young lady from the newspaper? That's right. She's with Mr. White. Uh, just have a seat and make yourself comfortable. Thank you. You'll find some magazines on the table. 
If you'll excuse me, I have a pie in the oven. Oh, that's all right. Go right ahead. I'm sure Mr. White won't be long. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah, this is getting stranger by the moment. What sort of place this is? Looks like a theatrical rooming house. Those signed pictures of actors and actresses on the wall. Great Scott. There's a telephone. Information told me there was no phone listed for this address. Oh, well, maybe it's disconnected. Oh, it certainly is not. Maybe I'd better answer it. I thought I heard the telephone. Hello? Mrs. Walt? Mr. Kent there? Uh, just a moment. It's for you. I think it's Mr. White. Oh, thank you. Hello? Kent? Harry White. Uh, well, where are you? I have to go out for a while. You got the money? Why, uh... uh no, no, I... Well, why not? Where is it? Well, you, you, you see, Mr. White, I thought... Oh, no, wait a minute. Look here, Kent. I give an order. I expect it to be carried out. Yes, I know, but... I called Darwin, and I told him... I know, I know, I know, Mr. White. Darwin wanted to give me the money, but I thought now, that wait you... a minute. I'll do all the thinking. I need that money, and I need it immediately. Well, I just thought... I'll get that... back to the office. Tell Darwin to cash the check and send it over. All right, I'll... I'll bring it myself. No, no, you won't. You stay at the office. But... This is going to break soon. Well, who will I send it with? Jimmy Olsen. Oh, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Mr. White. I, I don't want Jimmy carrying $20,000 in cash. Well, all right. Tell Darwin to bring it over. If I'm not there when he arrives, instruct him to give it to Mrs. Walt. Who? Mrs. Walt, the landlady. Oh. She answered the phone. Yeah, okay. Now, Kent, don't you waste any time. All right, I won't. Oh, Mr. White, is uh, is Lois with you? Yes, she is. Oh, well, may I speak with her? No, no, not now. Yeah, but she... She's busy. Now, get going, Kent, get going. All right. Well, Mrs. Walsh. Yes? May I see you a moment? Oh, are you leaving, Mr. Kent? Yes, it won't be necessary for me to wait for Mr. White. I see. An elderly gentleman will be delivering a package here within the hour. If Mr. White hasn't returned, will you please accept it? Yes, yes, of course. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll open the door. Hello? Well, goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Kent. Oh, good. This taxi is just what I'm looking for. Yes, sir? Uh, the Daily Planet building. Right. And uh, you'd better step on it. Yes, I uh, spoke to Mr. White, and you were quite correct. He wants that money, the second 20000 Yes, I was quite sure he did. He was very emphatic about it when he spoke to me. Yes, well, you're to issue a check, cash it, and deliver the money to him at 407 South Street as soon as possible. Uh, I'm to deliver it? Yes, and in case Mr. White isn't there... Leave the package with Mrs. Walsh, the landlady at that address. Of course, Mr. Kent, I'll do anything you say, but I don't particularly like the idea of being responsible for that much currency. Well, we're just following orders, Darwin, you and I. Yes, yes, I suppose you're right. Well, I'll get down to the bank immediately. Yes, you'd better jot down the address, too. 407 oh, South Street. Oh, no, I'll remember it. All right. You, 
You don't know what Mr. White's doing with all this money, do you, Mr. Kent? I haven't the faintest idea, Darwin. He hasn't let me in on his little secret. Uh, certainly seems like a secret, doesn't it? Mm. Well, I, I'll be getting along. All right. Oh, if you see Mr. White, tell him I'll be waiting for his call, will you? All right, sir. I will. Thanks. Clark Kent speaking. Hello, Clark. Lois. Did that money leave yet? Well, Darwin, the cashier is on his way over with it. Lois, for the love of heaven, what's this all about? I can't tell you now, Clark, but it's a terrific story. You say that Darwin left with the money. Yes. Will you tell me why you need $40,000? You'll find out. Incidentally, Mrs. Walsh said that you were a very handsome young man. Yes, that's another thing. Who is Mrs. Walsh? And what are you and Mr. White doing at a rooming house? Getting the biggest story of the century? I think you're just jealous because you're not in on it. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Lois, are you sure all this is on the level? It looks suspicious to me. Suspicious? Yes. What do you mean? Oh, I don't know. I just don't like the looks of it. Well, you will when, you, when we're ready to phone the story in. I've got to go now. Just sit tight, Clark. So long. Oh, Lois, wait. Oh. She hung up. Well, orders or no orders, I'm going down to 407 South Street and sit there until either Lois or White shows up. Come in. Hello, Mr. Kent. What? You... I don't blame you for staring at me, but really, I'm not a ghost. Lois. I wanted to speak to you before seeing Mr. White. Now, wait a minute. I, I just talked to you over the phone just a second ago. You what? I talked to you over the phone. <laughs> no, not me. I haven't been near a phone for 24 hours. You mean to say you didn't call this morning and ask for $20,000? Are you crazy? Oh, I'm beginning to think so. Yeah. Where have you been all this time? Well, it's a long, strange story. Oh, now, wait. Before you tell it to me, let's get a few things straightened out. Did you or didn't you call here last night, this morning, and less than a minute ago? I told you, Clark. I haven't been near a phone. Yeah, all right, all right. Weren't you at 407 South Street? Where? 407 South Street, a rooming house. Never heard of the place. Weren't you with Mr. White? Of course not. Hey, Clark, have you lost your mind? Oh, I think I have. I think I'm stark raving mad. Well, we can't blame Clark Kent very much for thinking he's lost his mind. Strange things are happening in this baffling mystery. Why do Lois and Mr. White want $40,000? What is the answer to this very strange puzzle? Don't miss the next revealing episode. Tune in and follow the baffling story with Superman. Don't forget... Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Presenting the transcription feature, Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, 
mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. Superman, in the guise of Clark Kent, is now engaged in trying to solve what is probably the most baffling case of his entire career. Returning to Metropolis in answer to an urgent telegram from editor Perry White of the Daily Planet, Kent, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen received another telegram on the train telling them to get off at the station before Metropolis. Only Lois was to continue on to the city. After getting off the train, Kent realized the telegram was a fake, and as Superman, caught up again with the train to tell Lois about it. But Lois was missing. Later in Metropolis, she called on the telephone and asked Editor White to come to 407 South Street and bring $20,000 with him, saying she had uncovered a wonderful news story. Editor White left for the address carrying the $20,000 with him. Later, he too telephoned Kent and asked to have Darwin, the cashier, deliver another $20,000 to the same place. Kent, however, countermanded the order and went down to the address himself to see what these requests for money were all about. The place turned out to be a theatrical rooming house run by a Mrs. Walsh. Lois and White were not there at the time, and Mrs. Walsh did not know when they would be back. Accordingly, Kent returned to the Daily Planet, where, much to his surprise, he found Lois waiting for him. Listen. Where have you been? That's what I want to know. And what's this all about? Clark, I've told you I don't know what you're talking about. Now, look, Lois, let's get a few things straight. We were coming back from the Barrow Jude Ranch, remember? Well, of course I was. All right, and we got a telegram on the train telling us to get off at Walden Junction, the station just before Metropolis. Yes. Right? That's right. Jimmy and I were to get off, and you were to come on here. That's right. Now, and... wait a minute. Wait, let me, let me finish. After Jimmy and I got off, I discovered that the telegram was a fake. And I, uh, well, I, I got back on the train. Well, how could you have gotten back on the train? I waved goodbye to you from the window. Oh. The train must have left before you discovered the telegram was a fake. Well, I, I hired a car, a fast car. Oh, how could oh, you? Oh, never mind that. The important thing is, when I got back on the train, you were gone. Now, you had disappeared somewhere between Walden Junction and Metropolis. I had. You had? I wasn't on the train. No. I didn't get off at Metropolis Station. Well, of course you didn't. You couldn't have. Don't you remember what happened to you? Well, as far as I'm concerned, I did come into Metropolis on that train. I did get off at the Metropolis Station, and I did come straight on here to the office. But you couldn't have. Oh, all right, then. I didn't. Then what did you do? I don't know. You tell me. You seem to know what I did better than I do. Now, look here, Lois. This is no time to get sulky. Something strange going on here. Something even I can't understand. Oh, something you can't even understand. Well, you'll just have to try harder, Superman. What did you say? I said you'll just have to try harder, Superman. Lois, do you think that I am Superman? No. But apparently you think so at times. Now, now, look, Lois, all kidding aside, what's been the meaning of all these telephone calls you and White have been making asking for $20,000, $40,000 and all? Clark, you're out of your mind. I'm beginning to think so. I haven't made any telephone calls asking for $20,000. And as far as I know, Mr. White hasn't either. Have you seen him? No, I haven't seen him. Well, this is certainly all beyond me. You're not on a train, yet you swear you were. That's right. You didn't get off the train to Metropolis, but you insist you did. 
You telephone here several times asking Editor White to bring $20,000 in cash because you need it to cinch a terrific news story. And you say you haven't been near a phone. There's something crazy about all this. It certainly is. You. All right, all right. You win. I'm out of my mind. I don't know what I'm doing. There's nothing new about that. I'm I'm going out to the mayor. I've got to clear my head, give myself a chance to think. I'll I'll see you later. Okay. Doesn't make sense, and it's got to. I, I've got to make it make sense. Oh, that office there is empty. I'll just step in there. Oh, Lois, I was going out for a little air. Well, I will. But I think I'll take my little constitutional as Superman. And I might just as well head in the direction of the theatrical boarding house on South Street. Open this window. Up! Up! And away! Mrs. Walsh doesn't answer. Oh, here comes someone now. Yes? Uh, I'm Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. Yes? Is Mrs. Walsh at home? Who? Mrs. Walsh. Uh, the woman who runs this boarding house. Oh, oh, oh I see. You, you've got the wrong address, young fellow. So this is 407 South Street, isn't it? Yes, but it isn't a boarding house. Never has been. It, well, it's just a private residence. Uh, look here, I... I don't mean to intrude, but there's something rather strange going on. Something I'm trying to investigate. May I come in and look around? Well, yes, I suppose so. Come right in. Thank you. What would your name be, sir? Dr. Hendricks. I'm a psychiatrist. Uh, retired, of course, and live here by myself. Uh, you sure you feel all right, young man? Yes, I feel all right. Except... Well, except... Yeah. Except for what? Well, this, this isn't the place at all. And yet it is. Now, that's impossible, young man. The thing is, or it is not. No, not in this case. I know I came to this house before. It was a theatrical boarding house then, run by a Mrs. Walsh. There were theatrical pictures on the walls, photographs and all that. The wallpaper was different. The furniture was different. In fact, everything was different. Hmm. Have you ever suffered from this sort of delusion before? No, I... Uh, just a minute, sir. I'm not suffering from any delusion. Well, of course you'd believe you weren't. It wouldn't be a delusion if you knew you had one. No, I... I suppose not. And yet... If you don't mind my saying so, I'm afraid you must be suffering from a case of false memory. False... You know, sometimes we see things and believe implicitly that we saw them before. We doctors know that as false memory. You didn't actually see the thing, did you? I tell you, I was in this very house. I... Oh, what's the use? I'm sorry to trouble you, Doctor. Good day. Uh, just a moment. Yes? I don't feel I ought to let you go without making some attempt to help you. Uh, come into my office and we'll, uh, we'll have a chat. You think I'm crazy, don't you? Oh, certainly not. Oh, yes, you do. I can tell him the way you look at it. None at all. You see, you see, you're imagining things again. Now, you just come into my office and we'll get this whole thing straightened out. Uh, when did this strange trouble first come over you? I'm sorry, but I haven't time to discuss it. Thanks again and goodbye. I assure you, young man, that with a few treatments... Yes, I know. ...get at the feet of your trouble. Am I going crazy? Am I really imagining all this? 
dreaming it? I must be. Lois never got off the train, she says. And she didn't telephone. I go to a theatrical boarding house and interview a Mrs. Walsh. And then it develops that neither she nor the boarding house actually exists at all. But what's happened to me? Mine isn't any ordinary brain. I'm not given to delusions and... No. No, by heavens, I'm right. I'm not imagining all this. It did happen. And Lois must know something about it. It's back to the Daily Planet for me as Superman. Up, up, and away! Bill, have you seen Miss Lane? Uh, no, Mr. Ken. She went out just a minute or two after you did. Said she'd be back in a little while. Okay, I'll wait in her office. Okay. She's playing some kind of trick on me. If this is a gag... So there you are. Now, look, Lois. I've thought this thing out. And I'm here to get a few matters settled with you. Clark, listen to me. No, you listen to me. Lois, as I say, I've thought the whole thing out. And there's only one conclusion I can come to. You were not on that train. Something did happen to you between Walden Junction and Metropolis. You never did come back to the office. Now, don't deny it. Deny it? Clark, are you out of your mind? No, I'm not. You're not going to make me believe I am. You were not on that train, Lois. Now, admit it. Of course I admit it. Why do you think I've come here? Why do you think I've been trying to escape from those people for days and... What? Of course I wasn't on the train. I was taken off it. Kidnapped. Oh, Lois, for heaven's sake. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What in the world is going on here? That's what I'm trying to tell you. After the train left Walden Junction, I went into my compartment. Yes. There was a man there. Before I could cry out, he put his hand over my mouth, and I smelled chloroform. I don't know how the train was made to stop or how they got me off it. But the next thing I remember, I was locked up in a room that I'd never seen before. You were... Yes. Lois, what... Well, what made you decide to tell me this? Why didn't you admit all this when you talked to me half an hour ago? Talked to you half an hour ago? Yes, that's right. Clark, what in the world are you saying? Why? I haven't seen you for two days. Well, there's a surprise for us. What is the answer to this strange and baffling mystery? What is the answer to the telephone calls? For a thrilling conclusion... For the amazing solution to our story, be sure to hear the very next episode with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!
thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Presenting the transcription feature... Superman! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. Superman, in the guise of Clark Kent, is now trying to unravel one of the most baffling mysteries he has ever encountered. A mystery which certainly seems to have no solution. Let's join Kent and Lois in their office at the Daily Planet immediately. A strange conversation is taking place. A conversation apparently without rhyme or reason. Listen. Now, wait a minute. You, you mean to stand there and tell me you haven't seen me in two days? Of course I haven't seen you in two days. Oh, uh-huh. But you were talking to me right here in this office only half an hour ago. I couldn't have been. Clark, what's the matter with you? Why won't you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Because I can't believe it. It doesn't make sense. More than that, it's the craziest thing I ever ran up against. Half an hour ago, you sat right there in that chair, refusing to admit that something did happen to you on the train, that you did disappear off that train between Walden Junction and Metropolis. I refused to admit it. You certainly did. You also refused to admit that you had made any telephone calls demanding $20,000. But I did make those calls. They forced me to make them. They wanted the money as ransom. Oh, you're admitting it now, all right. But you wouldn't admit it half an hour ago. Now that you're admitting all these things, you turn right around and refuse to confess that you were right here in this office half an hour ago. You're trying to make me believe that I haven't seen you in two days. Clark, look, I know that you must believe what you're saying, but it isn't true. I couldn't have been here. I only escaped from that room, that locked room down near the waterfront, just half an hour ago. And one of us is crazy. You were here in this office? Yes, by heaven, I can prove it. Uh, Just a minute. Bill! Oh, Bill. Yeah, Mr. Kent. Come in here a minute, please. Sure. Bill, ten minutes ago, on my way in here, I asked you if Miss Lane was in her office. What did you say? Well, I said, uh, no, she wasn't. And what else did you say? What else? Yes, yes, what else? Well, nothing that I know of. Oh, Bill, think, think hard. Didn't you say she went out just after you did and said she'd be back in a few minutes? Now, didn't you say that? Well, not that I remember. Now, where is all this getting us? Here I come to you for help, and you do nothing but talk nonsense to me. Clark, do you realize that I have been held for ransom? That right now the people who kidnapped me may be getting away with $20,000 of Mr. White's money? Wait a minute. Let me talk to Mr. White. He'll understand. He'll do something. White? 
Do you really mean to tell me you don't know that Mr. White brought the $20,000 to you at the address you gave us on the phone? He actually did bring the money? Of course he did. Well, he couldn't have gone. If he had brought it, they'd have released me. Oh, no, no, maybe they wouldn't have at that. But heavens, Clark, what about Mr. White? They must have captured him, too. I don't know what this is all about, but I guess you're right, and as far as White is concerned, I... I haven't seen him since he left here with the $20,000. All I know is he called up and wanted $20,000 more. Could you send it? No. Countermanded the order, refused to let Darwin, the cashier, take it to him. Then I went down to the address you had given me. It turned out to be a theatrical boarding house run by a, a Mrs. Walsh. Yes, that sounds like the place. Go on. Well, she told me you and White were out working on this mysterious scoop of yours and that she didn't know when you'd be back. Well, I didn't wait. This afternoon, I went down there again to talk to her, and the house is gone. Uh, the house is gone? Well, if it is the same house, the inside has changed considerably. Found an old man who claimed to be a doctor, a psychiatrist. The inside of the place is entirely different. The furniture, the pictures, everything, even the wallpaper. Now, look here, Clark. I don't understand all this any more than you do, but as sure as I'm standing here, I do know this. I was kidnapped off that train and held for $20,000 ransom. Yes, I know. Mr. White is being held now. Sure. The address was 407 South Street. I know that definitely, too. So do I. I don't care whether it's a theatrical boarding house or a Siamese temple. That's the house, and we're going down there right now. All right, all right. We might as well start trying to clear this up someplace. Come on, let's go. Oh, oh excuse me, Bill. Sorry. No, you were still... What are you staring at me that way for? I just got one question I'd like to ask. All right, all right. What is it? Are you crazy or am I? Oh, get out of my way. Come on, Lois. All right. Now, here we are, right across the street from that house. Now, take a good look at it. I have. All right. Now, is it or is it not the house you were kept prisoner in? It is. Yeah, I'm sure it is. You're sure. Is that the house that you went to for the first time? The theatrical boarding house? Without a doubt. And it's the same house that you went to the second time? It certainly is. Yeah. Well, check on that anyway. That at least gives us a point to come back to when we start getting all mixed up again. All right, come on. Where are you going? Into that house, of course. Wait a minute, Clark. What do you mean? Whoever's in there, they may be killers. Don't you think you'd better call the police? Oh, no. Oh, no. If I left here now, by the time I got back, I'm sure that house wouldn't be there anymore. The street probably wouldn't be here either. And the, the taxi cab would certainly have turned into a dog sled. Come on. Oh, all right. No one answers. Yeah, someone will. Probably won't be my psychiatrist friend. I'm sure it won't be Mrs. Walsh. I'm really very interested in seeing who it'll be this time. There's someone coming now, I think. Yes, now we see. No. No, it isn't. I am seeing things. What's the matter with you, Kent? What are you, what are you standing there staring at me like that for? Mr. White, I thought... Come in. Come I... in, Kent. Come in. You haven't even sense enough to come in out of the cold unless you're told to. Get in here. Yes, yes, certainly. I... I... Well, what is it you want? What is it? Must I... be something urgent if you felt you had to come in person. But you talk as if there was nothing wrong, as if you were all right. Of course I'm all right. And this... This room, it, it doesn't look like the theatrical boarding house. Theatrical boarding house? And it doesn't look like the doctor's office either. Kent, do you feel all right? Are you in your right mind? No, no, I'm not. I'm really mad. I know it now. Lois here said you were being held a prisoner, that you were... Lois? Where is she? What? Why, she was right behind me. Didn't she follow me into the house? And how could she follow you into the house? She wasn't with you. 
to say Lois wasn't standing outside with me when you opened the door? Kent, what in the name of heaven are you talking about? What am I... What's happened to you? I don't know. I'm all mixed up and I can't understand it. It isn't like me at all. It's as if I were another person. I... Something's happened to you. I can see that. You wait right here. I've got just the thing for you. Wait a minute, Chief. Wait a minute. Before you go... Weren't you being held prisoner in this house? Isn't that why you telephoned for the $20,000? What telephone call? What $20,000? What $20,000? Gents? Uh, you said you had something that would straighten me out. Yes? Yeah, well, get it, will you? Get as quickly as you can. I'm sure I need it now. All right, I'll be right back. Yeah, I wish I could get straight on this. I've never had anything like this happen before. Usually I can see right through these things, no matter how baffling they are. This thing doesn't seem to have any beginning, and I'm starting to wonder whether it's going to have an end. Oh, Chief, I... You're waiting, young man. I thought you left a long time ago. This is Walsh, the boarding husband. What's that, young man? Where have you come from? What are you doing here? I live here. This is my house. I I rent rooms to people. You... This is the theatrical boarding house? Of course it is. What happened to Mr. White? Mr. White? Yes. We have no Mr. White staying with us. No, Mr. White. We have a Mr. Black. Yeah, of course. Yes, you would. And now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, wait. I'm not crazy. I know that. Oh, but you are. You. Dr. Hendricks, where'd you come from? I have a perfect right to be here, young man. I live here. But this is impossible. First one of you disappears, then the other, and now you're both here. Young man, I told you before that you're suffering from an aggravated case of false memory. I know what you Now, you must me believe me. Everything is all right. Sure. Everything is sane and normal, except you. But that can't be, Doctor. I'm not just an ordinary person. I'm... Of course you're not an ordinary person. You're quite remarkable. But even a man with your remarkable powers, Mr. Kent, has a, uh, shall we say, a crack-up now and then. No. No, listen to me. Listen, no, I... no, no. Listen to me. No, but, Doc... You're coming into the next room with me. It's my office. I'm going to have a little chat. Look, will you now, wait a... Now, 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 Come along. I should have insisted on this when you were here before. Doc... Come along now. All right. Right into this room. In you go. Yes. What in the world? It's the way. Lois. No. Okay, Dr. Hendricks. You're right. Happy birthday, Happy birthday, Happy birthday. I hope we didn't fool you too badly. I don't get it. What do you mean, happy birthday? Mr. White, I think Clark's entitled to an explanation. Yes, yes, and I'll give it to her. It's happy birthday for you, Clark, because today you've been with the Daily Planet exactly two years. And I felt that we ought to do something to show our appreciation. Well, you certainly did. <laughs> you almost drove me out of my mind. Yes, I, I hope we didn't go too far with our little joke, Kent. You know, sometimes these practical jokes do get out of hand, but you have to go through with them. Yeah, it was my idea. You see, ever since you joined the paper, you've been so almighty successful in solving crimes that we decided to give you a mystery you couldn't possibly solve. <laughs> you certainly succeeded. <laughs> Gee, I suppose in the 24 hours I was away from this house, you repapered the room and changed the furniture and everything, huh? That's right. A little expensive, but worth it. <laughs> uh, but now look here, everything practically explains itself. Right now, we've got a birthday cake to dig into and plenty to eat and drink. And, of course, some of the boys have to hurry back to the office. So come ahead, Kent, and cut the cake. By that time, Jimmy ought to be here with the present we have for you. Present, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, I sort of feel I deserve it after what you all put me through. Uh, I got to hand it to you, Kent. You certainly held on to yourself with an iron hand. <laughs> Superman himself wouldn't have controlled his nerves better than you did. No, 
I really don't believe he could have. And so ends another Superman mystery. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! Full of exclusive loot, fun surprises, and delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! Uh-huh. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as eleven ninety nine per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Because 10 cents will buy five 45 caliber bullets 
to be used by our sailors and marines. Five dimes will buy enough fuel oil to take an American destroyer one full mile closer to its objective. And a dime a day from all the boys and girls in the United States will buy enough fast pursuit planes to blast Hitler's Luftwaffe out of the sky. So start right now to do your share to help in this war. Remember, every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. And now, the adventures of Superman. Superman and his disguise as Clark Kent, Lois Lane, star girl reporter, and Jimmy Olsen, copy boy and Clark's close friends, were on their way to England on the Atlantic Clipper when they were attacked by a Nazi fighter plane. Superman wrecked the fighter plane and then went in search of the submarine from which it had come. Meanwhile, unknown to Superman, the flying boat had been forced to make a crash landing in a rough sea. As our last episode ended, all the passengers had gathered on the wing of the flying boat and were offering up a prayer for deliverance as the ship sank lower and lower. As we join them now, the prayer is finished and the passengers huddle on the wing of the sinking plane, waiting for the end that must surely come. Captain Martzer. Yes? How much longer do you think before we... Well, you know. A few minutes at most. Ready for it, are you? Oh, yes. The passengers that get me... Poor devil, huddled together there in the wind. Mm. Look so cold and miserable and scared to death. I dare say they are. Yeah. Nothing to be done about it, though. That newspaper fellow, Clark Kent, pretty lucky after all. Yeah, trapped in the cabin will be struck, is not he? Yes. He's well out of it. Sir, get the march. We're settling lower. We move the passengers. Do you think it might help? Much the good. Just prolong the agony. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Another minute, you hear? I can't stand it. I can't. My son, you must have faith. I can't stand it. Waiting. Let's go down. Let's down. But this waiting, this everlasting waiting, waiting. You must be calm, my son. We have offered up a prayer. We have made our peace. Yes, I know, but I've got a wife and child waiting for me in London. Waiting for me at Hendon Field. I should be there now. I should you be. You should be calm. But I tell you, Reverend, and I... I tell you, you must be. Very well. I'll pass. I'll pass. I admire you, Reverend. You have a way of calming people. Thank you, Miss Lane. How is your young friend doing? Oh, Jimmy, he's fast asleep. Exhaustion, I think. He had no sleep at all last night, and what with the excitement of the crash and this exposure to the government. Let us hope he doesn't waken before the end. Yes. Is it soon, do you think? I can't tell myself. Captain Marsh. Very soon. Hear that water bubbling? Yes. That means we're settling lower and lower. Another few minutes. If only we could have gotten a life raft out of the life belt. That was impossible after we crashed. Captain. Yes, Reverend? Look, look there in the sky. Huh? Is that a... Can that possibly be a plane? What? Great joke. It is a plane. A plane? Then we'll be saved. We'll be saved. That's a fact, Miss Lane. It's twilight. Almost dark. These waves are pretty high. We may not be seen.
like a man. It is a man. It is a man. Huh? It's Superman. Well, of course, can't you see? The red cloak flying in the wind. The suit. It's Superman, I tell you. It's Superman. It's Superman. A modern miracle indeed. This is a story crazy cause. I can't believe it. It's impossible. I can't see. in the nick of time. I don't know who you are, sir, but I say you are given to understatement. If you can do the things I've heard you can oh, do. Oh, he can. He can. He's wonderful. If you can do those things, maybe you can say what you are. I think I can. There isn't much time. You're almost submerged now. I'm going to lift the ship out of the water and you can all climb inside again. Wait a minute, man, or Superman, whatever you call yourself. This flying boat weighs 50 tons without the weight of 30 passengers. You couldn't possibly leave that to me. Once you're inside, I'll fly the plane to England instead of Lisbon. Most of you are going to England. But you can't do what you can. Listen to me. I'm going to dive under this plane. I'm going to lift it into the air. I am then going to fly with it, carrying it on my back to Hendon Airdrome in England. Now, all of you, hear me. Get back inside the plane the moment I lift it out of the water. But you can't do it. It's impossible. He's dived over the side. He disappeared beneath the waves. Oh, isn't he wonderful? I can't understand it. It's not possible. It's fantastic. Yet if he can fly through the air as he just did... Is that maybe right? We're being lifted into the air. I showed you right. To the ship, everyone. Into the ship. 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 Carrying the entire weight of the mammoth flying boat, Superman heads for England. Meanwhile, back in Metropolis, a familiar figure enters Hans Muller's bookshop. Yes, sir. What can I do for you, sir? Have your copy of Mein Kampf in German? <laughs> what books we have not got in the shop, sir. I find myself we can secure for you. However, I, I think I have a copy of what you wish in the back. You can step this certainly. Some of the merchant businesses cannot Miller. We received a message from Dr. Gebel. You are not to leave England at once. From England? Through the usual channels, yes. I am I to go? I, I thought my work was here in the United States. You must go because you are the only one who can control the tiny men. <laughs> and the tiny men will be needed, I am told, for this job. The tiny men? Always the tiny men. I wish to heaven I never invented them. I never brought them into existence. But you have, Muller, and they are of inestimable value. Tiny men are needed urgently in London. Dr. White, I beg you, please, please, not the tiny men. How many have been driven insane? How many have died of shock from the mere sight of the tiny men? Come, Mala. Come. Certainly you are not going soft on me. Oh, I do not know. I do not know. I sometimes wonder how much more I can take. How much... If you wonder, then listen to what I say. Your wife and three children, Mala, are still in Berlin. They are guarded constantly by the Gestapo. A word from me to Dr. Goebbels. One word, Muller. Your wife and your children will undergo uh, unpleasant experiences such as only the Gestapo can arrange. No, no. Uh, you will know about it. Pictures will be taken and you will look upon them. Do you want that, Muller? No, no. Do you? No. All right, I will do whatever you say. Of course you will, Muller. Oh, I understand how it is, friend. It is hard sometimes to do the things we must do. But we must remember it is for the Führer, your Führer and mine, 
who has promised to make us the conquerors of the world. But only, only mark you, Malar, if we have the courage to be merciless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, of course. A plane will be waiting for us at the usual place. We shall be in England tomorrow morning. I'll meet you at midnight, and remember, bring with you the tiny men. The tiny men. Yeah. There goes. I did love. I did love. I did love. The tiny men. The horrible, vicious tiny men. I must use them once more. Oh, blast Hitler. Blast Hitler in the kingdom. Superman or not, carrying the 50-ton flying boat is no cinch. Thank heaven I'm over England at last. That must be Cornwall below, London to the north. And an airdrome just beyond that. I'll certainly be more than glad to land this plane and her passengers safely. Especially Lois and Jimmy. Well, we're almost over London now. Hardly see the city blacked out the way it is. There's St. Paul's, though. Never seen it before, but I can tell by that round dome. Ah, there are the Houses of Parliament. Big Ben. Certainly sounds exciting. Never been in England before. This is going to be a real experience. A real... Hello. Searchlights. Searchlights combing the sky. By heaven, I believe they're trying to pick us out. They are. They found us. Those searchlights are full on us. I wonder if they... Great Scott. The aircraft is sighted. They think this is an enemy plane. Got us caught teaching with a searchlight, and that act fire is coming closer and closer. This calls for fast thinking, and the faster I think, the better. Up! Up! Yes, Superman, think fast. Winging over London with a 50-ton flying boat and her passengers on his back, Superman and his burden are mistaken for an enemy plane. What will he do to get himself and his friends out of this situation? Be sure to listen to the next thrilling episode. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. Fellows and girls, don't ever get the idea there's nothing you can do to help win this war. Of course, we can't all be members of Uncle Sam's armed forces because, well, because some of us are too young or too old. But that doesn't mean we can't get into this fight, no, sir. Because there is one big important thing we can do. We've got to see that our fighters are supplied with all the bullets and guns and the tanks and the ships and the planes they need to wipe Hitlerism and fascism off the face of the earth. Now, how do we do that? Well, by buying all the war-saving stamps and bonds we possibly can. Because every time we do, we lend our government money with which to finance our fight. So remember, talk with mother and dad tonight about giving you an extra dime every day or every other day for war-saving stamps. And buy extra stamps from your regular weekly allowance, too. Talk about it with all your friends. Get them to make a pledge with you to buy war-saving stamps regularly. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap four buildings at a single bound. the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is written and directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap 
only tall buildings in a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here's an important message. Fellows and girls, don't ever get the idea there's nothing you can do to help win this war. Just because you can't join the army doesn't mean that you can't be part of this big fight to preserve the American way of life. No, sir, not at all. There is one big important thing you can do, and I'm going to tell you about that right now. You see, aside from the fact that we can't all be soldiers, sailors, or Marines, because we're too young or too old or something, it's necessary for a good many of us to stay right here where we are. As a matter of fact, Uncle Sam says that for every man in the armed forces, there must be 11 people back home to keep them well supplied and to see that everything runs smoothly. It's sort of like, well, it's like a civilian army that cooperates with the armed forces to help win the war. And that's where you come in, you and I. For we are all members of this civilian army. And the best way we can help our boys at the front is to buy war-saving stamps and bonds and buy them regularly. Now, how does that help? Well, let me tell you. It helps our government to finance the war. It helps to buy guns and tanks and planes and all the other things the Army, Navy, and Marines need to knock out the Japs and the Nazis. For instance, every time you buy a 10-cent war-saving stamp, your dime will pay for five bullets. And for every five 10-cent stamps, well, that buys enough fuel oil to carry a destroyer a full mile. So you see how important it is for you to buy a war-saving stamp every time you've got a dime. Now, see if you can't get mother or dad to give you a dime every day or every other day with which to buy war-saving stamps. Talk about this with all your friends. Ask them to buy war-saving stamps regularly. Ask your mother and dad and all your neighbors and relatives to sign Minuteman pledges. Do all you can to build up the sale of war-saving stamps and bonds. And that's what you can do to help win this war. And now, the adventures of Superman. Yesterday, we heard how Superman saved the passengers of the Atlantic Clipper, gigantic 50-ton flying boat, as the Leviathan of the air was slowly sinking beneath the waves of the Atlantic. Carrying the mammoth plane on his back, Superman headed straight for England. Arriving over London late at night, he was on his way to a Hendon airdrome when suddenly, searchlights lit up the sky, catching him and the plane he carried full in their beams. A moment later, the anti-aircraft guns of London began to bark. Listen! They've mistaken me in this plane I'm carrying for a German bomber. Those shells are coming mighty close. I'm in no danger, but the passengers in this plane above me certainly are. Jimmy and Lois included. I've got to do something to get us out of this. I've just got to... No, that one hit my stomach and exploded. Knocked the breath out of me for a second. Must be getting soft. Seems to be only one thing to do. I'll have to gain altitude and get outside their range if I can. Up! 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 Climbing on a zigzag course to avoid the searchlight, Superman tries to get outside the range of the anti-aircraft fire. Meanwhile, the alarm has been given at Hendon Airdrome, and a squadron of deadly Spitfires takes off to the attack. Soon, they too are over London. The RAF wing commander contacts the ground observer for possible instructions. Listen. Squadron to ground observer. Squadron to ground observer. Have you spotted the jetty yet? Over. We will follow him, but he's ducked We're trying to pick him up again. Over. You spotted only one, didn't you? Over. That's right, sir. Only one. The largest bubble we've ever seen. 
something devilish peculiar about all this. Our interceptors never picked up the Johnny at all. We still can't catch the sound of his motors. Over. Yeah, that sounds peculiar. Like Your interceptors didn't pick him up. How'd you spot him? Over. By accident, sir. One of our lights picked him up by chance. Seems to me it's... Wait a minute. I think we caught him again. Yes, my Joe, we're here. Good luck. Thanks. Well, there he is, all right. They've got him full beam, and they won't lose him. Order the squadron. Order the squadron. Formation six. Formation six. Hill off at 350. Hill off at 350. Ah. There he is below us. Well, I dare say we'll make short work of you, laddie. Here we go. What in the name of... Order the squadron. Order the squadron. Hold formation. Hold formation. Something wrong, sir. Definitely. That's no bomber. No bomber, sir. Looks to me like the Atlantic Clipper. Hold formation. I'm going to circle her. Right, sir. Right, George, was positively fantastic. It is the Clipper. A passenger staring at me from the window. She's not on the par. I can't see a propeller zooming in the circle. I must be screaming. I'm a... Hello, what's that underneath her? Like a man of all things. A man with a red boots, a red cape. Hello, sir. Yes? Are we all going crazy, sir? I, I think I'm seeing things. Same here, sir. It's Atlantic Clipper, all right, sir, but a motor's not ready. There seems to be a man carrying her on his back. You're sure you see that? Uh-huh. Then by Harry, it must be so. But hang it all, sir, it can't be so. Uh, oh, uh, big part. That's quite all right. I'd agree with you, it can't be so, but it is. I say, sir. I have a feeling that Johnny wants to land at Hendon. If he can carry her on his back, whoever he is, he can land her at Hendon. Or I dare say do anything else that he wants to. Drop back. We'll follow along and see what he does. If he lands her at Hendon, we'll escort him in. If he doesn't land her at Hendon, I'm dashed if I know just what to do. Ground crew, throw out every landing like you've got, will you? Oh, there you are. You are a couple of weeks. Finally got back to the beetle, did you? Well, there was the devil's meaning of all this hugger mugger, eh? Speak up, then. Speak up here. Now, look here, sir. I know it sounds fantastic, but that radio message I said... I couldn't understand the word you said. Dash, if we could. But everything's been clear enough, sir. I mean to say... The sparks couldn't have understood. Garbled your message atrociously. He said you said there was a man carrying the Atlantic Clipper on his back. Exactly, sir. That's what I did say. Well, then what the devil do you mean sending in a message like that, eh? Okay, Gone off your head, have you? Eh? Well, speak up, man. Speak up. Stop looking up into the sky as if you actually did see a man carrying a 50-ton flying boat on his back. That's what I am seeing, sir. And I still can't believe it. Uh, insist on having your own way. Well, by Jeffrey, next thing you know, you'll have me believe... Do you see it, sir? It's coming down with her now. Do you see now? It's a clipper right enough. Uh, and there is a man. Red case, blue tooth. Oh, devil take it, I can't. I won't it's believe true, it. It's sir. I wouldn't believe it myself till I had to. Oh, no, it is fantastic. Utterly fantastic. Oh, look here, Copper. This is impossible. We, we, we can't. We simply can't be seeing this thing. But we are, sir. We are. Look there. He's going to land on that runway. See? You see? He's just about touching the ground now. There. They've cut. He's running now. Throwing down as he goes. And he is, sir. He is carrying that plane on his shoulders. Well, I've seen some peculiar things in this war. But by Jeffrey, this takes me bound. We'd better get right over there, sir. Right, oh. Come along. Look, sir. Look. The door of the clipper's opening. 
There are the officers getting out. Passengers following behind them. Uh, never mind them at the moment. It's that Johnny in the red cape I want to talk to. I say, you there. Sorry, I can't wait. Well, you've got to wait. You're here. I want to have a talk with you. Up, up. Oh, devil, take him. He's flown off again. I say. He really did fly away, didn't he? He certainly did, sir. Well, my Jeffrey, we'll soon get to the bottom of this. Now, here's the crew of the clipper. Uh, Who's in command here? I am, sir. March is my name. Captain Robert March. Ah, March, eh? Well, Pelham's my name, sir. Sir Hugh Pelham. Now, what's the meaning of all this blithering hanky-panky, eh? Speak up, man, speak up. Well, I'm afraid I can't explain any part of this, sir. Oh, you can't, eh? You land a seaplane at an airport. Or rather, it's landed for you by a man who carries the bloody thing on his shoulders. No, no, I, I simply will not believe it. Now, it was it was all an illusion, a mirage or something of the sort. It was no illusion, sir. I I can't explain it. That doesn't mean I can't explain it reasonably. Well, I think... But uh, there's a young newspaper one among my passengers. Miss Lane, Miss Lane, Miss Lane. Yes. Can you leave the boy for a moment and come over here, will you? Certainly. Jimmy, you go on with the other passages and get some hot milk. Now go on, leave it. Yes, Captain, what is it? Plain, this is Sir Hugh Pelham. Uh, young woman, if you can explain who that, that creature was, the one in the red cape and the blue cloak. Well, you've heard of Superman, haven't you, sir? Well, uh, Superman? Yes. Oh, yes, I do believe I have. Some sort of fictional character who possesses amazing power. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, sir, but you're uh, wrong. There's nothing fictional about Superman. Superman is as real and alive as you are. Oh, no. But you just saw him. He brought this plane down out of the sky on his back. Didn't you see that? Well, I thought I saw him. You did see it. You just won't believe it, that's all. No one will believe it because... Well, uh, because it's just too much for our brains to take, I guess. But all of us on that trip are all our lives to Superman. He arrived just as we were going down in the ocean. And what, we were... going down? Yes. We were attacked by a Nazi fighter plane, sir. Superman knocked the plane out, but not before one of the Nazis' bullets snapped our elevator cable. We crashed into the ocean. We were just about finished when Superman came along again, lifted us out of the water, and brought us here. He saved us, you see, every one of us. And yet not one of those passengers, no, no, any of the crew either, will believe that he exists. Well, there's time enough for speculation later. Uh, your passengers seem in a bad way, Captain Mark. Yes, many are suffering from shock. Uh, you can help us out. Of course we can, sir. A couple of weeks. Henderson, Grant, you uh, men there, uh, help those people into the main battery. And uh, follow me, Captain Mark, Miss Lane. Right, sir. Captain Mark. Yes, Miss Lane? And there's one thing I can't understand, and you haven't given me an answer. What could have happened to Clark Kent? I've tried to figure that out, and the only solution I can find is that his body was washed out through the hole in the clipper side, and we never noticed it. Oh, no. I'm afraid so, Miss Lane. You recall, after the crash, we all climbed out under the wings. When I called out the names of the passengers, he was the only one who didn't answer. Somehow, he must have been trapped inside the ship. Yet later, when we re-entered the ship, we couldn't find his body anywhere. He wasn't on a plane at all. Exactly, Miss Lane. We stole quite a hole in the side of the clipper when we crashed. My solution seems to be the only feasible one. Thank you, right. Sorry, Miss Lane. I know how you must feel. I'm not thinking only of myself. I'm thinking of Jimmy Olsen. Why, that poor boy is almost beside himself worrying about Clark Kent. Well, you'd better wait till he's feeling better before you explain the news to him. Yes, I guess. Hey, hey, you two, are you coming along or not? Coming, sir, you. Coming. Meanwhile, Superman, flying in a circle over Hendon Airdrome, is faced with a problem even he seems unable to solve. Listen. I am in a mess now. I must have discovered that I'm not on that plane in my disguise as Clark Kent. In the past, I've been able to reappear as Kent without much trouble because no one was ever really sure that I had actually vanished. 
Yes, but this is different. They must know and know definitely that I'm not on that plane. Well, Superman or no Superman, I don't see how I can possibly put in another appearance as Clark Kent. This looks like one problem even I can't solve. <laughs> yes, it certainly looks as if Superman himself is faced with a problem that has no solution. Here is a situation that calls not for brawn, but for brains. How will Superman solve it? To find out, be sure to hear the next exciting episode tomorrow, same time, same station. Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Did you ever stop to think why American machine gun crews make such good scores in their battles against the Japs and the Nazis? Their teamwork, their super marksmanship, comes from practice. Practice every day until they can hit the bullseye practically every time. But that much practice eats up a lot of bullets. And that's where you come in. You buy bullets for machine gunners every time you buy war stamps. Five bullets for every five ten-cent stamps. So get behind your team by buying stamps just as often as you can. Can you think of anything more exciting to buy for your dime than five forty-five caliber bullets? Five bullets for American soldiers to use in protecting your home from the Japs or the Nazis. So get going. Get your stamps today and every day. Faster than a speeding bullet! More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is written and directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Superman, strange visitor from another world who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But before we join Superman, here is an important message. Fellows and girls, somewhere in the Solomon Islands, there are a lot of big, tough fighting marines, and they're carrying guns that you may have helped to buy for them. That is, if you've been buying your share of war-saving stamps for victory. You see, every single dime you exchange for a war-saving stamp helps to buy the guns and the bullets, the planes and bombs, the ships and the shells that are going to lick the Nazis and the Jets. Now, we know that all red-blooded Americans can't actually wear Uncle Sam's uniforms. Because, well, because some of us are too young or too old to join the Army or Navy. But there is one big important way we can help. We can buy war-saving stamps and bonds. We can lend our money to Uncle Sam and put weapons into the hands of American fighting men. Why, do you know that your dime spent for a war stamp is the same dime used to buy five forty-five caliber bullets? I guess you know, too, and the Japs and the Nazis certainly do, 
what a soldier or a sailor or a Marine can do with five bullets. And speaking of sailors, you might be interested to learn that every time you buy five war stamps, that same 50 cents buys enough fuel oil to carry a destroyer a full mile closer to its objective. That makes buying war stamps pretty exciting, doesn't it? Now look, let's make a promise to ourselves right now. Let's promise to buy war-saving stamps every week regularly. And you can help even more than that. You can get your friends and your mother and father and all the people you know to buy war stamps and bonds regularly. They'll want to help, too, when you explain to them how important it is for all of us to do our share to help our brothers and friends in uniform. Our boys are going to win this war, and we have simply got to help them. So remember, every time you've got a dime, buy a war-saving stamp. And now, the adventures of Superman. Yesterday, we heard how Superman brought the 50-ton flying boat known as the Atlantic Clipper safely to Earth at Hendon Airdrome in England after the huge airship carrying among its passengers Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, and Clark Kent had crashed at sea. Superman had dropped his disguise as Clark Kent and, as Superman, saved the flying boat and all aboard her. But as our last episode ended, Superman himself was faced with a problem he could not solve. How was he to assume the guise of Clark Kent once again? He knew that his absence as Clark Kent had been discovered and the plane thoroughly searched. What explanation could he possibly give for his absence? To find out how Superman solved his problem, we join Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen. It is late afternoon of the following day. Lois and Jimmy are riding atop a London bus. Listen. What street did you say this was, Miss Lane? Uh, Bayswater Road, Jimmy. Uh-huh. That was Hyde Park Corner we just passed. Oh, that's Kensington Gardens on our left, isn't it? That's right. Gee, uh, I just can't get used to being in a foreign city. It'd be pretty exciting if Mr. Kent was with us. Yes, I know what you mean. No sense hoping, though, I guess. Captain March must have had it figured out right. You mean about Clark's body floating out through the side of the clipper while she was submerged? Yes, I guess he must have been right about that. Sure seems tough the way things happen sometimes. Why, Mr. Kent had to be the one... Oh, now, Jimmy, come on. You mustn't give way to yourself like that. I, I can't help it. Mr. Kent... He's the best friend I ever had. I know, Jimmy, I know, but... Well, you've just got to carry on, that's all. After all, Jim, now that clock's on, I've got to depend on you, haven't I? Do you? Well, sure. What did the inspector at Scotland Yard say only a little while ago? I don't know. What did he say? Don't you remember? He said that under ordinary circumstances, he'd have to lock you up for being in England without a passport or a visa. But since that would leave me all alone, and since you were the only man I could depend on, that he wouldn't. Oh, yeah. I remember. You think that's why he didn't lock me up? Why, I'm sure of it. Well, what about when he called the American consul and talked to him? Well, the consul may have said something that helped a little, but... Well, Jim, I do need you, and you've got to show me that I can depend on you. Okay. Don't worry about me. From here on, you can depend on me for anything. That's right. That's the way I like to hear you talk. Gosh, look there through the railing. There are guns in the park. Big ones. Yes. Kensington Gardens are just bristling with anti-aircraft guns. I wouldn't be at all surprised if some of those very guns were firing at us last night. Gee, that was something, wasn't oh, it? Oh, sure was. Yeah. Superman carrying us in that plane across London when those ACACs stopped firing at us. Gosh, I was plenty scared. Hmm? Well, not exactly scared. Just a little nervous. Oh, I should think so. 
We'd have saved ourselves a lot of trouble and danger if we could have used the radio in that plane. Well, there wasn't a chance. Every battery on board was so full of salt water. Where to me? Oh, Leinster Corner. The boy, too? Oh, boy. He's over 12, I guess, say. Hey, oh. easy, Jim, easy. Yes, he is. He's over 12, conductor. Well, that'll be six and eight, me, miss. I'm six and... What? Six and eight, me. Oh, you're an American, ain't you? Uh, yes, I, I don't quite understand your coinage yet. <laughs> Here's some change. I don't know. Oh, I lady. There's a sixpence. And there's eight, me. Half a penny, you know. Oh, I see. No, not at all, miss. Not at all. I'll let you know when we arrive at Leinster Corner. Thank you. A conductor? Yes, please. Uh, look, I'm a reporter on an American newspaper. I'm over here to, uh, well, to find out just how you English are weathering things. You know, the war and all. Oh, uh, well, you know. Well, it's the same work, I could. Yes, it is. Uh, you mind telling me a few things about yourself? You mean you'd printed an American newspaper? Yes, of course. Why, I'd be very happy to tell you all I could, miss. What would you like to know? Well, I'd like to know your name to begin with. Harry Higgins, miss, with an H. Harry Higgins? Me address, 72 Larkspur Street, Lambeth. 72 Larkspur. Hmm? Married, are you? Oh, yes. Got three grown kids. Two boys and a girl. One boy's in the RAF and the other's in the Navy. The girl, named Josephine, she's in the Red Cross. Oh. Jessica, how has the war affected you, Mr. Higgins? Or... Oh, I wouldn't say it's made too much difference, miss. Of course, I had my own little place before it all started, a cottage near Kingston. Pretty little place. I went there one night after a raid and found it wasn't there no more. Bomb it, it's square and clean. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, it wasn't a way. Then another way it weren't. I mean, this is myself are living with our sister's, uh, sister's family now. Mm-hmm. Never did see much of my wife's sister and her family afford that. Just couldn't seem to get on somehow. You know, our families is always bickering and quarreling. But somehow the war changed all that. Get along together fine now. I think that's wonderful, Mr. Higgins. Then again, miss, uh, the war taught a lot of us to see the two value things. Time, for instance. Now, you take time. An awful lot of it used to be wasted. Well, it ain't no more. Why, fish and chips, Miss Oscar, remember when was it? Blimey. What's wrong? Eh, this year's just stopped, Miss, and I haven't half started to tell you what I wanted to say. Well, don't you worry about it, Mr. Higgins. I've got your address. I'll drop in some night this week, if you don't mind, and we can have a long chat. I can't forget you, why don't you, Miss? Well... Bring the boy with you. My sister, my wife's sister... Makes the tastiest blessing you ever taste set your teeth to. Oh, all right, Mr. Higgins, I will. What you said, miss? <laughs> hey, oh. Well, we've been expecting you, miss. Don't you forget now. I won't. Bye. Nice of him to invite us to dinner, wasn't it, Jim? I guess so. If he doesn't stop calling me a boy. <laughs> Is he over 12, miss? <laughs> now, come on, Jim. Let's cross the street to our boarding house. You're just getting sensitive in your old age. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was... Watch your step. You almost walked right in front of that truck. Oh, gosh. Everything's so mixed up over here. Just the opposite from America. Now, what's the sense of people driving on the left-hand side of the road? What's the sense of them driving on the right hand, for that matter? Well, here's our boarding house. Let's go in. After you've had dinner, you... Oh, I'm... Oh, tell them, I'm sorry. I wasn't looking. No, no, mademoiselle. I entirely am to blame. Well, there's no harm done. I think I knocked that package out of your hand when I ran in oh, for you. Hey, Miss. Oh, merci, <clears throat> you are staying at this pension? Yes, I am. We have the two front rooms on the second floor. Oh, I do live here with my papa. Oh? We are on the second floor also. Shall we go up together? Well, of course. Uh, let me introduce myself. I'm Lois Lane, and this is Jimmy Olsen. How do you do? How do you do? Giroux is my name. Mm-hmm. Yvette Giroux. You, uh... 
had not been here long. No, as a matter of fact, we just arrived last night. Uh, at Hendon, that is. We came to London this morning. You are not English? No, American. You have a special reason for coming to England? Well, we... Oh. Uh, pardon him. It is, it is none of my affair. I am wrong to ask. Oh, not at all. I'm a newspaper reporter. Oh, oh, I see. <clears throat> well, uh, here's my door. Maybe we'll see you at dinner tonight? Dara. Bonsoir. Good night. Good night. He seems like an awfully nice. Oh, it's Lane. Holy mackerel. Hello, Jim. What? Sorry, I frightened you, Lois. What? Mr. Kane in the world. Oh, oh, Dolly. Wait a minute. Gee, wait a minute, Jim. Wait a minute. Take it easy. But, 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 but where did you come from? We thought you were dead. Oh, I almost was, but thanks to Superman, I'm pretty much alive. Superman? Yes. I, uh, I admit I never believed in him before, Lois, but, well, I... I'm forced to from now on. What do you oh, mean? Yeah, what happened? Well, as you know, I was in my cabin when the plane crashed. Yes, uh-huh. go on. Well, after the crash, the plane began to sink immediately, and, well, I I was trapped. Yes? The water was coming in fast, and there was no way of getting out. Well, what'd you do? Well, nothing I could do, Jim. The last thing I remember was choking and gasping and swallowing water as it rose over my head. How did you get here? Well, when I came to, I found myself flying through the air, strapped to someone in a blue suit and a red cloak. Strapped to him? Yes, he had his hands full holding up that plane, and he had strapped me to him with his belt. The way I figured it, he must have got me out of that cabin somehow. Well, I don't see how he knew you were in there. I don't either, but it's the only way I can account for it. Well, what happened next? You must have been with him when we landed at Hendon Andrew. I guess I was, although I don't remember. You see, I, uh, when I fainted. You what? I must admit to it, I fainted. Excitement was too much for me, I'm afraid. All I know is I came to this morning in a bed in the farmhouse just outside London. Farmer told me that he heard a knock on the door late last night, and when he opened the door, there I was, out cold. Oh, I don't know. There's something awfully strange about your explanation, Clark. Well, it just sounds funny. Oh, who cares, Miss Lane? He's here. That's the important thing. Gosh, Mr. Ken, am I glad to see you. Golly, how did you know enough to come here, Clark? Huh? We didn't know where we'd be staying ourselves until this morning. Oh, I've, uh, I've only been here about ten minutes. I I figured you'd have to go to the American consul to fix things up for Jimmy, so I called him. You were just left, he said, and we're on your way over to Scotland Yard, and he gave me your address. The landlady let me in here after I convinced her it was all right. Let's see. Come in. Oh, is that why I didn't expect? Is that what is it? Wrong. Listen to me. I've not much time. They've done it to me. Done it to you? What are you talking about? My father. He must protect my father. Or they. They will get him too. They? What do you mean by they? I mean the tiny men. Oh, oh catch him, daughter. He's that. Clark, what's happened? She's dead. Probably poisoned by the tiny men. The tiny men? Gosh. Once again, the deadly tiny men have struck. We know, though Kent does not, that Dr. Veidt and his henchman Muller must be in England, for they control the tiny men. Little men no taller than an ordinary milk bottle. Can Superman solve the riddle of the tiny men? Be sure to listen on Monday, same time, same station. Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Yes, be sure to tune in again Monday for another thrilling Superman episode. And don't forget what else you're going to do. You're going to buy war stamps as often as you can get mother and dad to give you a dime. You know when you see that big capital S on a three-cornered shield, 
you'll recognize it as the emblem of Superman, and you'll know at once what it stands for. Likewise, when you see the capital letters U.S. on a war-saving stamp or bond, you'll recognize them as the emblem of Uncle Sam, and it represents a pledge from Uncle Sam to you. His pledge to use every dime you lend him for more bullets and guns and planes and all the other things the American armed forces need to win a smashing victory from the Nazis and the Japs. So don't put off buying war stamps. Buy one every time you've got a dime. Uncle Sam's depending on you. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leave tall buildings at a single bound. Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Follow the adventures of Superman every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station. Superman is written and directed by George Lothar and is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!